This is Umer, and you're tuning into Oats for Breakfast, which is an eco-socialist podcast based in Toronto. This is the second time we're releasing a bonus episode. Our bonus content is meant to be different from our usual stuff. Rather than talking about a political issue, we instead try and highlight the work of other leftist podcasters in the hope of building something like an online left-wing community. In this episode, I chat with Montreal-based podcaster André Goulet about the Harbinger Media Network, a new initiative that's bringing together left-wing content creators from across the country. And since Oats for Breakfast happens to be taking part in the initiative, André had asked if he could come on the podcast just for five or ten minutes to pitch the network to our audience. And I told him it would probably make for a more interesting discussion if we had a bit of a longer conversation. I also used the opportunity to ask André to talk about some of the podcasts he has produced and hosted over the years. And with that, let's get to the discussion. André Goulet is a Montreal-based podcaster. He was the longtime host of Unpacking the News, a show that followed developments on the Canadian political scene. He also hosts The Korea File, a show about life and politics in Korea. He is the podcast coordinator for Ricochet Francais and produces Le Plancher des Vaches, a French-language geopolitics podcast, and also Fille Rouge, which features Indigenous and Inuit storytelling. Finally, André is the executive director, newly minted, of the Harbinger Media Network, a new project that's bringing together left-wing podcasts from across the country. Welcome to Oats for Breakfast, André. Umer, thanks so much for having me, and very good French. That was really, that was nice to listen to. Thank you. Oh, I, I had to ask my partner to <laughs> to let me know how I should pronounce those things. It was good, yeah. All right, so uh, since you're in Montreal, we should probably begin with a, a COVID checkup, if that's okay with you. Of course, So yeah. in, the, in the last couple weeks, uh, and just for reference for our audience, this discussion is being recorded in early October. There has been an explosion of COVID cases in Quebec, um, also in Ontario, but more so in Quebec. And, you know, Quebec already was the epicenter of the pandemic in Canada, and it looks like it'll remain that way now that we're in the middle of a second wave. Can you tell us a bit about what's going on? Sure. And I got to point out, it's not a competition. Okay. Like we're, we're all, we're all in this together. So just because Quebec has the biggest numbers doesn't mean we're the best. Um, the tea leaves were kind of like clear, maybe two or three weeks ago that things were rising. And then a week ago, it just exploded. So at the moment, uh, October, early October, it's about a thousand a day. Um, so it's super sketchy. And I just like feel a lot of compassion for, you know, the teachers, the healthcare workers, the, the students as well, who, who are all kind of on the front lines of having to, you know, experience this, uh, the, the people working in retail and, and people uh, who were working in restaurants before um, the government did say no more, you know, sitting down in restaurants, which is a real relief. So yeah, the vibe isn't great, but um, it is what it is. And I just try to, you know, focus on the the positive things and anchor myself in uh, like the good, interesting things we do with our work in, uh, in, in media creation. And so that's working for me, but I definitely have a lot of empathy for, uh, for everyone else out there right now. But you you do feel this like pandemic fatigue, eh? Mm-hmm. 
I, I noticed you said it is what it is. And, you know, I have a similar orientation at this point. Cases are also, as I said, exploding in Ontario and, and in Ontario, Toronto is obviously the hub for it. And being based in Toronto, it's at this point, it's kind of like, man, this has been going on for months. You just reach a point, there's this, you know, uh, you're sort of super saturated and I'm like, okay, I'll just continue to stay home, I guess. Look, I mean, the the way the way that I look at it is kind of like, yeah, right now is really hard. And in about eight to 10 months, it will, you know, not be the same kind of hard. And so, and maybe less. Um, and so in the meantime, it's important for us to seek out things that give us satisfaction and that make us happy and to, you know, just really lean into that and, and to anchor ourselves in not just like lazy optimism or Pollyanna-ish rah-rahing about like how, how it's all going to be okay. That's not it. But for me, uh, the work that I do um, outside of podcasting is uh, that I teach online. I teach language, uh, English language to kids. And that means that several times a week, I need to immediately anchor myself in good vibes and just like being really positive uh, because an eight-year-old is not going to be interested in me losing it and uh, just being like, oh my God, can you believe what's going on right now? No. I need to keep it like, keep it, you know, objectively positive. Uh, and I work with teenagers as well. So it's like, I, I don't want to make them feel worse. So a lot of my energy does go into kind of being, um, you know, positive, uh, whether that's rational or not, if, if that makes sense. No, man, that's a good way to stay grounded. And if it's working, it's working. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, let's get to the uh, content creation side of the, our conversation. So you've been podcasting for some time now. Your show, Unpacking the News, uh, got started in June 2016, and you released the last episode of the show, episode 157, uh, just this past month. So it was a good four-year long run. And the other show you have, The Korea File, has been around for even longer. It's been going for about eight years. So let's let's start at the beginning. How did you get started as a podcaster? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and I should say for unpacking the news, it was actually 135 episodes. It, it says 157 on the uh, hosting platform because I'd often um, promote other shows that I produce or other shows within the uh, uh, Ricochet French network where I coordinate the French podcasts. So that's why it says 157, actually 135, but it was 50 months of uh, putting out content. And yeah, that started four years ago when I reached out to Ricochet and just sort of suggested uh, starting podcasting with the English side of the website. And prior to that, though, uh, I took broadcasting at Humber College. I took an eight-month program and, back in 2012. And um, I don't want to say terrible things about Humber College, but like it was not really great. But it did introduce me to like certain uh, technical aspects of how to produce audio and I was already interested in podcasts. So when I returned to Korea, because I'd been in Korea from like 2006 to 2011, uh, I returned there because <clears throat> my partner at the time was uh, doing research, linguistic research on a Fulbright grant. So we moved to this island called Jeju on the south end of Korea. And like I was a public school teacher. And so I would teach during the days, but I started to kind of explore what it would be like to 
interview all of the interesting people that I was meeting on this island who were like adjacent to the academic community or the music community, which I had a relationship with from when I played in a band back in Seoul in 2010, 2011. So it started out as like a music podcast and a academic podcast. And over the years, like I returned back to, well, the States actually for a couple of years, but I continued to just put out this Korea content because I was still interested in it. And I just kind of never stopped because it continues to be interesting to me. Very few people are doing English language Korea studies content in the, in the podcast community. And so eight years later and 96 episodes later, I kind of figured out what I like to do with it. And now I work collaboratively with the Royal Asiatic Society Korea branch. This is a um, century old institution that sort of was like present in the colonial capacity of, of England back in the late 19th century. So they were in Korea like 100 years ago, started this institution 100 years later, it continues to exist as a sort of research academic kind of organization. So um, I continue to put my show out once a month, uh, The Korea File, where I speak with different experts about a different aspect of Korea. So like this month's episode was interviewing an American academic named Todd Henry on the history of queer Korea, which was something that I knew nothing about. And he released a new anthology with Duke University Press, sort of exploring all these different aspects, like different academics exploring different aspects of the history of, of queer Korea. Super interesting. So I find it really satisfying, particularly because it's completely detached from all of the work that we do with left politics uh, in Canada, right? Um, it is a show that definitely has a left lean in how I engage with the conversations on social and political issues, but um, you know, it's way different than uh, way different than what I did with unpacking the news. Yeah, I enjoy the show personally. I mean, I I always think that it's so important to have a comparative perspective when we're thinking about politics. And often the best way to learn about the dynamics within our own society is to study other societies and see that, oh, okay, there's similar enough dynamics and it, it gives you a sense of you know the world more broadly and your own place in it. That's a really good point. Um, I think I experienced that a lot, especially right now with, with the pandemic, because uh, Korea's government has done, an, South Korea's government has done a really excellent job with um, just managing this crisis. And they have a government right now, which is a left-leaning government. Um, Korea's history is basically that they officially stopped having a military dictatorship in 1988, but the transition to democracy didn't fully occur until 1997. There was 10 years of left government and then 10 years of like really regressive far right, like really insane right-wing government. Uh, and now both those right-wing presidents are in jail. The left is back and they just sort of like are very focused on democracy, transparency, openness, um, and sort of like creating a good society. So how they've managed the uh, COVID-19 pandemic has been really interesting. And it's given me a way different perspective on just like how we look at uh, our own governments and how they've uh, managed this crisis. And a lot of the time I I'm, I'm find myself being really disappointed with, uh, I don't know, just how federalism makes for a very confused reaction to crisis. Um, it seems to me. The show that people listening perhaps will know you from is uh, Unpacking the News. So tell us about that. Uh, what was that about? And what was it like to make that show? 
and why has it come to an end? Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm grateful to have had the opportunity to kind of find whatever voice I've developed in the last four years uh, at Ricochet and and working there. Um, it was a place that sort of allowed me to put this show out where I just would like interview people and talk about the issues of the day, talk to experts about their area of expertise. And from there, it sort of grew into, I don't know, I learned how to kind of produce and, and I started to do that as kind of a, a side hustle. And now it's become something that I'm good at. So I do it semi well, semi-professionally part-time. And I also sort of started to reach out to other shows that were like-minded to see if they wanted to uh, kind of join this loose community. And uh, we sort of banded together and did sort of like a, like almost like a weekly newsletter style update at Ricochet where we would just have like the latest shows and, and stuff like that. And so it was really cool. And this community grew and I continued to do my show, but definitely like the pandemic, uh, I think it changed, it's changed a lot of our perspectives on things and like, how well it, it's changed a lot right but um in terms of that work i yeah i kind of i don't know i just sort of ha- reached the end of the natural life of the show i just sort of like went hard during the pandemic continued to go hard and continued to enjoy it but then sort of yeah reached this point where i was like i think i want to do something next level and so the transition was that i sort of coordinated with many of our colleagues on the podcast left and sort of conspired uh, to decide to launch a, a a network, like a standalone thing, where um, all of these shows that share a lot in common in terms of our our values and our worldview, um, and to sort of put that out in the world as a united front, right? Like a common front. And so now we're uh, very, you know, it's very exciting because we are a couple weeks shy of launching as a network and we have uh, put ourselves out there as this sort of common front. So yeah, it was, it was sort of like, I think a years long process that has reached a point where we just have this really powerful community um, across the country from like coast to coast in both official languages and um, finding out what the next level looks like is really exciting because we just have so much talent and so many people committed to just creating really solid shows. So yeah, uh, if, if, if I can, Umer, let me ask you a question. Is that okay? Can I turn the, can I turn the mic around here and, and sort of For sure. ask you? Okay. So what do you think is the percentage of podcasts downloaded by Canadians uh, in the sort of news and politics uh, sphere that is actually American content. What do, what do you think? It's probably a majority of them. That's kind of the the condition of Canadian media more generally, right? True, yeah. Okay, do you want to just hear the number? It's 75%, okay? So 75% of the news and politics podcasts are basically like either on the one side, MSNBC, Vox, uh, the, Mer- the major networks like ABC, NBC, all that stuff, or totally garbage fire, insane, far-right trash like uh, Ben Shapiro, Ted Cruz is in the top 20 this week, Ted Cruz, Michael Cohen, the uh, President Trump's uh, imprisoned lawyer, his new podcast is in the top 10. This is what we're dealing with in terms of the podcast reality in Canada. And the reason is, I think, that the system of how podcasts are like put out into the world is that there's no real clear cataloging or a menu. So discovering shows that exist is practically impossible unless it's through word of mouth and social media promotion, like via 
a show that is like-minded or something. So how do we push back against this American saturation of the Canadian podcast market? Well, I think it's kind of like, you know, Canada land successfully branded themselves. Jesse Brown did a very good job of like creating this brand, creating a solid quality product, and then putting it out there and, and being seen as this like independent podcast entity. And so the idea with Harbinger Media Network is to create this space where all the shows can continue to do what they're already doing, but then have people recognize that it's a Harbinger show and say, oh, I know, I like that. I like, I like left perspectives. I like progressive ideas. Um, this show's on that network? Well, I'll check out this. So the idea is through sharing this space, and it is a gross word, but like branding ourselves together, we end up becoming stronger, right? And so the idea is from there, expand our audience and reach more people objectively so that we can actually push our ideas further into the Canadian discourse, right? And I totally feel like it's possible. Okay, so you're talking about the Harbinger Media Network and uh, Oats for Breakfast will be a part of that as well. And actually, by the time that this discussion is published, the network will have launched and your show will have launched. Uh, so when when is the launch date? For your new show? We're, oh, yeah, for the new show, it, it should be late October. And we're also aiming to launch the network in late October. Um, so yeah, if, if people are listening to this, it probably already exists. You can go to harbingermedianetwork.com. But a little bit, okay, a little bit more then about our community. Um, so one of the things that's so exciting is this community is gigantic. I mean, it's, it, let me just, we're not in a hurry, right? We're not in a rush. Why don't I just run through the whole roster? Uh, for the listeners. So from the West Coast to the East, uh, beginning in BC, we got Out of Left Field in Victoria, a socialist podcast, and Chris Markovich's uh, Left Behind uh, on North Vancouver Island. Uh, Jeff Sharp's People's Media Platform, which is a left media analysis show. Uh, Alberta Advantage in Calgary, that that collective of 18 Marxists uh, with a hugely popular show. And Kino Lefter, the socialist film podcast in Edmonton. And Progress Alberta's Progress Report with Duncan Kinney, uh, also in Edmonton. Big Shiny Takes has a pair of uh, young journalists in the greater Toronto area, area, Eric and Marino, and Jeremy Appel in Medicine Hat doing sort of like uh, hot takes on the uh, trash Canadian punditry, which most of us probably hate. Uh, Very good show, Big Shiny Takes. And then, of course, you guys in Toronto as well. Uh, Nashua Khan is launching a new show with us. She's the co-host of Muslim Rumspringa, which is... um, pretty badass it's it's more part of like the chapo trap house universe like they did a lot of managed to cross over into the american left podcast mainstream but she's launching her new show with us called habibti please and it's going to be like a series of conversations that nash was uh, going to be doing with politicians thinkers academics friends musicians whatever and she's brilliant so i'm really looking forward to that uh, in Quebec, then we've got Le Plancher des Vaches. They're launching their third season with us, which is going to be a French language analysis of uh, the American election, which is almost sure to be just like complete chaos. But they're going to be having like French comedians on to kind of like humorously explain the electoral college to a Quebec audience. Uh, that's great. Um, Les Ficelles, uh, one of our other French shows, is 
one of Quebec's most popular feminist podcasts. And these women, Solène, Emily, and Robin, they do a weekly critique of Quebec's most popular reality TV program. It's called Occupation Double. And it's like a kind of like Big Brother reality TV show where the people are supposed to fall in love or something. And um, they've just managed to like create this incredibly popular and uh, influential podcast that's been covered in all of the Quebec media. So we're putting that out in collaboration with Ricochet French, which is really exciting. Rob Rousseau's 49th Parahel, also in Montreal, the uh, Twitter ideology influencer who is so big on that social media platform. And oh, also uh, Hillary Agro, another big Twitter name. Uh, she's relaunching her show Bread and Poppies with us, which is a left perspective on drug policy podcast. So that's super interesting. And then finally, uh, Paris Marx in Newfoundland uh, does Tech Won't Save Us, which is a weekly analysis on just sort of like the nightmare of the technological world and how to how we should de- be demanding uh, to make it better. So we have this community of, that's 15 shows, including the new show that I'll be launching at the end of October. And it's just incredible because it's like 30 or 40 people across the country all putting out like a like-minded project because we all kind of see the world from the same position. And with that kind of force and that kind of energy and that kind of community, we aim to do nothing less than to create an alternative perspective in podcasting and in Canadian media so that there can be room for our kind of perspective in the mainstream. And, and that's what we're going to be pushing for. So it's it's really exciting. And I would be remiss to not also mention that, well, let me put it this way. Umer, how important are friends in our life? How, how, how much do we need that? Yeah, once in a while, you need to visit your friends or see them online. Absolutely. But you definitely need support from your friends, right? Like um, mm-hmm. we, we need that. And Harbinger Media Network is no different. That's why I'm incredibly proud to say, uh, and I should have led with this uh, passage, the, on, the left online journal of thoughts and opinion is our sort of like, uh, like a, not quite our benefactor. They're giving us a little bit of tiny bit of financial help to just sort of get off our feet uh, and be able to um, launch a website and stuff. But they're going to be working with us and sort of helping to nurture this project uh, over our first six months. And that's really exciting because this isn't just a podcast community. That's that's actually why we didn't put podcast in the uh, name of the network. This is a sort of broader media initiative. And to that end, we are aiming in our second phase in early 2021 to expand into like left YouTubing and uh, creating a space for left video in Canada, which is sort of underrepresented. And the partnership with Passage is is a really exciting way to get that happening. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely have to highlight that working with Passage is just uh, an outstanding benefit and one of the one of the many reasons I'm really excited about this project. What's the name of your new show? at the moment (laughs) okay that's putting me on the spot because i'm struggling and i need yeah it needs a name i got some ideas i I, i'm not going to make them public right now because it's definitely still being workshopped um i uh, am aiming to have settled on something by the end of the week of october 5th so that's to be continued um the show is this is interesting gonna be something that is going to be for uh subscribers like an exclusive for subscribers so basically it's going to be something that 
if you pay a little bit of money every month and, and help Harbinger to sort of like establish itself, you'll gain access to exclusive content. And so I wanted to have my new show kind of be, be for the real stands, right? Like be for the people who really appreciate what we do with left podcasting, who can imagine this idea of having this like shared universe of people who are creating this content together. So the conceit of the show is that every week I'll be bringing on two guests, one, a contributor to Passage, someone who's recently written a piece for them, and someone from the podcast community. Have them come on, uh, do sort of a roundtable, not unlike what I used to do with Unpacking the News. But what I'm really looking forward to doing with this show is getting to lean into more of the stuff I really enjoyed, but didn't always have the time to focus on like stupid, scripted, jokey, creative, you know, audio and stuff like that. So that's going to kind of be, that's going to kind of be the objective, like doing something a little bit special. And uh, for three bucks a month, people can get access to this new show at the Harbinger media network.com. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll just, I'll just start talking about the finance, the financial thing. This is like, kind of you know gross to talk about but whatever it's important because we do need financial support to make this project work um we are setting an objective of bringing in about 3000 bucks a month and that's the base level which allows us to basically pay me in my role as executive director of the organization we're a registered nonprofit so like we're legitimate and to also hire Rob Rousseau to come on as a communications director and to sort of push us more into the public eye uh, in the way that he's so good at doing. So what we're asking for is like for people who just kind of appreciate what we do with, with podcasting and, and love the idea of putting together this community, three bucks a month gets access to the subscriber-only exclusive content. At $5 a month, you, you get the content and access to the Discord server, <clears throat> and a access to a, a bi-monthly question and answer with people from our community. At $10 and $15, you get access to some of the merchandise we're going to put out, stickers, buttons at $15. Bucks. Uh, we'll have a tote bag. So that's for people who really love, like love, love the concept and want to get like a fun little gift, uh, a little thank you from us. So this is really a big ask because it's, it's, it's saying to people, you love the shows that you listen to like oats for breakfast. Don't stop donating to them, right? Like they need your money. But if you really love the idea of building a broader media project, um, think about if you have three extra dollars a month to throw away and to help us sort of build this infrastructure and have the opportunity to really focus on creating exciting new projects. Another exclusive actually that we have lined up is um let me ask you this, Umera, I don't know, you, you're into the sports. You like to watch people uh, kick around a ball or throw it in the net? I love these canned questions. <laughs> uh, sorry. <laughs> um, sure, yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> well, no, I mean, you, you can be honest. I'm like so not into sports. However, I'm pretty excited about this show because uh, writer, filmmaker, and ex-Kino Lefter co-host Abdul is going to be launching... Uh, show in collaboration with Eaton from the Drum Circle Jerk podcast. And they'll be asking questions like, how is cricket decolonial praxis? Why did Amare Studemeyer become a Zionist? Was the miracle on ice in the 1980 Olympic Winter Games a turning point in the Cold War? 
analysis, riffs, and history, examining sports and how they inform the politics of our everyday lives. Abdul and Eaton are putting out a exclusive 10-episode first season, uh, exclusive to the Harbinger Media Network at the beginning of 2021. And it's going to be like just this deeply researched, in-depth exploration of these different really interesting aspects of uh, the history of sport and and society. And so I'm really looking forward to that. I was so thrilled when Abdul offered to make it an exclusive uh, with the network. And those are the sort of projects that we're going to be able to put together uh, as we sort of move forward in this this more collaborative um, community that we're we're beginning to build. And it's it's just really exciting. Uh, would you listen to that? Sure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so ex- explain the exclusivity here uh, for this this show. So only subscribers to the Harbinger Media Network will be able to listen to it. Is that is that how it works? That's right. And I mean, it's not going to be like that selfish. So after the shows have been out for a couple months, um, they'll become public so that anybody can listen to them. But it's a way of offering like a little something extra to people who want to, you know, just contribute like their hard earned $3 or whatever to help fund what is going to be a completely listener and supporter funded initiative. We're not going to have outside money. And it's sort of parallel to the other shows that are continuing to run their own uh, Patreons and stuff. So yeah, if people are wanting to put money out, it seemed like really important to be offering just something special that they'll feel like, okay, wow, exclusive, amazing. And of course, I'm going to be working really hard to make a high quality show that people are going to really appreciate. So um, I'm, ex- I'm really excited to get into it, actually. Yeah. And I think you don't have to be apologetic about the money side of things. Like, obviously, the more resources that left-wing content creators have access to, the better our content, and you know, the more accessible uh, and and more easily it'll be, you know, able to make its way into the mainstream. I appreciate that. Um, this is well, this is what it's like to have been raised a leftist who just sort of like hates money. Like, I hate you know. I hate the whole thing. I hate it. I hate capitalism. I hate the hate the economy. But as it turns out, when we are trying to create a project like this, one aspect of legitimacy is going to be finding a consistent and predictable level of income so that we can be sustainable. And that's uh, what we've projected to be about three thousand dollars a month. And from there, as the uh, as the as the ball continues to roll and we and we sort of expand our reputation, we do hope to be bringing in you know more because like one of the reasons. Canada lands can afford to do uh, long form investigative journalism is because of the financial support. I think they bring in 15 grand a month or something, right? Um, the difference here is uh, Jesse Brown is a millionaire tech bro who uh, you know runs this operation. And we are a wide variety of people from all kinds of different walks of life. Lots of people who are professionals and lots of people who also are, you know, little less uh, wealthy like myself or uh, others, right? So um, this is key, finding a financial way to make this work. And it's not always comfortable to talk about, but it's going to be something that um, we're going to have to prioritize for sure. So you don't have a Patreon. This is just through the Harbinger website. Do you want to tell us again what the website is? Yeah. So harbingermedianetwork.com. We're running the crowdfunder until the end of October, basically. You can continue to donate after that. Uh, That's fine for sure. 
And basically, you can go to the website, find out more about everything I've been talking about and and more, uh, including our full slate of shows. And then it's very easy, just clickable uh, with a clear description of each tier and what you get for for each uh, level of contribution. And you very simply click through, it signs people up to um, the Stripe payment system, uh, which is very, like, common and and a, uh, just a, a little bit better than Patreon um, for an organization the size of what we're trying to create. And uh, yeah, super straightforward, uh, really predictable. And beginning at the end of October, uh, th- that exclusive content will begin to roll out with more projects in the future too, right? And what those look like, uh, it's not quite penciled in yet, but I'm looking forward to seeing what we come up with. Uh, people who want to stay up to date on everything that's happening with Harbinger in terms of new shows, uh, new content, or just a little bit of good old fashioned online uh, uh, aggression can follow us at Harbinger Tweets or at Media Harbinger on Instagram and the Great Satan Facebook. Thanks for tuning in to Oats for Breakfast. If you are on Apple, you can help us out by giving us a rating and a review. The other way to support us, of course, is to become a patron of the podcast. You can do that by going to patreon.com forward slash oats for breakfast. It's very likely that we'll take a break during the month of November. As you may have heard if you tuned in to our previous episode, I am now the father of a small baby. All babies are small, really. They're especially small when they're new. And our baby is just a month old at this point. He's usually a gentle, calm little guy, but as I'm sure you can imagine, he does require a fair bit of looking after. So a break from the podcast should help me a bit with settling in to parenthood and we'll come back in December. Because we won't be releasing content in November, we won't have to deal with most of our usual costs, so I'll make sure that patrons don't end up being charged at the beginning of the month. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.